most people have really goal-oriented sets. Oh, yeah. Right? It's like you finish, he finishes, we're done. And to keep that energy moving instead of just let's finish, let's get to the top and be done Mm -hmm. creates ecstatic sex. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cosmic Laundry podcast. My name is Giselle Plamondon. I'm a clinical counselor and psychological astrologer. And as you already know, I started this podcast because I wanted to have real grounded conversations about just everything, anything and everything and all the things in between. I want to talk about it. I want to know about it and I want to get real. And so As most of you know, we're in between seasons right now. I'm in the midst of reaching out and uh, recording with people for season two, which I'm really excited for. There's going to be a bit of a rebrand. There's some really exciting guests coming on. It's going to be really great, and I'm so stoked. But I wanted to give you guys a little something in the meantime. And I just recorded this episode with Kristen um, a couple days ago. What is today? Today's Sunday. We recorded on Friday. And it's just so good. I really don't want to wait for season two to come out because that might be a while. So I wanted to get to get this already, get it out for you and let you listen to it. So if you don't know who Kristen is, all of the info about her is linked in the bio, but she is, she's really just an amazing woman. She's got so many different things going on. She's a spin instructor. She's a pharmacist. She's a model. She's a meditation teacher. And now she's getting into the realm of um, sexuality and passion and Tantra and all of these other different things. And so she came over Friday morning, brought me a coffee. Uh, we turned on the mic and just kind of recorded and talked a little bit about, you know, sexuality, exploring sexuality, having a healthy relationship to your body so that you can have a healthy sex life with your partner. Um, we talked about a lot of like the myths and taboos about sexuality and really just had a conversation and I loved it. It's amazing. I've listened to it like three times already and just wanted to share it with you. So here it is, your bonus episode to tide you over until we get into season two. I hope you guys are doing so well. I love you so much. Can't wait for the next season. Let's just dive right in. Yeah, I love that because I think that we get so stuck, right? 
We do. That was why I made the decision to leave now. There's technically nothing for me to leave for yet. Yeah. But it's just the longer I stay here, the more entrenched you get in the community, in your work, in all these different things. And then what do you know? You're 55 years old and you're like, I wish I had moved to Hawaii like I always wanted to. You know? And you know what? You make a good point because you just have to decide that you're going to do it and the rest of the details will fall into place. It all just works out. I mean, there's some roadblocks maybe. But yeah, it's really just a decision. Because you'll always hang on to the like, oh, I don't have a job yet, or I don't have whatever, I don't have a place, I haven't found a place, like, make the decision first, Yeah. and then, like, and take your time, like, you don't have to move tomorrow, like, you know, go through the motions and the process, and that's kind of what we did, we're like, Kate, we're gonna do it, and then we were like, hey, let's start looking at places to live, let's start applying for jobs, and it just, like, worked out really well, which was nice, it felt like we were meant to be doing this, because it really did just, all the pieces fell into place, Yeah. Yeah, for you guys, it happened so fast, hey? Yeah, it did. What's it the like, best part about being in BC? Living together. Honestly, we have never lived together. What? You didn't live together no. when you were here? No. What? <laughs> I know. I know. So it was just like weird timing. So like we met in Saskatoon. We were both in school. Yeah. And then he finished school. So we were living in Saskatoon for a few years together. And then when he got his articling position, it was in Regina. Right. I forgot yeah. that. So we did long distance for a couple of years between Saskatoon and Regina. And then, then we decided to move to BC. So like we never actually lived together. Right. So. Oh yeah. yeah. So I have to say that it is. That's my I mean, that's brave of you guys doing your, like, because that's already a transition in itself. Mm -hmm. So to do that while you're transitioning work, new friends, new community. And living together. And then living together, that's huge. But, like, yeah, I love it. And, you know, my favorite part about BC as a province is is honestly the the attitude of the people there. I find that there's definitely more of a focus on a work-life balance. Oh yeah, 100%. And, and it's like expected of you to to have a work life balance. Like nobody is expecting you to work overtime and you know break your back, like doing all these extra things in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yes, work hard, but don't forget about what's waiting for you at home and things yeah. that you're passionate and interested like interested in. So I really appreciate that. Yeah. And like coming from Saskatchewan, it's a very like. You know, put your head down, work, and, like, go to school, get a job, like, work overtime. Take your three weeks of vacation, and that's when you'll enjoy your life. Yeah. Right? So, they have a totally different mindset and attitude there. So, I love that, and that's probably, like... Yeah. I love that, too. I think, too... I mean, really, if you think about it, all of our ancestors in Saskatchewan are the people who had to do that. They, like, put their head down, potato farming, Mm -hmm. you know scarcity mindset kind of thing whereas like the people who moved out to bc where the people were like fuck this i'm not doing this like were, it was yeah. more like like bc is full of people from saskatchewan it is like when you it's like it is half of our freaking population goes kidding. to bc but it's all like it's the rebels and and the free spirits and the people who wanted more for their lives than just like working until yeah. they die so it's really interesting how that has impacted the, the whole culture there. It's true. I remember, like, I nannied there. That was mm-hmm. why I lived in BC. And I remember, like, my first week on the job, um, 
the woman I worked for, she was like filling up the pool outside mm. and I wasn't working that day. I had the day off, but I happened to just be in the house and I was at the table and I was reading and I saw that like she, like it was this like large bucket and she was like filling it up in the house and then bringing it up to the deck and putting it in this like kiddie pool and um, she filled it up and then left it there because she had to go do something and I just grabbed it and went and put it out and like continued the, the thing for her and then went and sat back down because it took forever to fill up and she came out and was like what the fuck she was like what and I was like thought I did something wrong and yeah. I was like what's going on and she was like what is happening she's like it's not your day to work why are you working and I was like what do you mean? Like, there's not a single person that would sit there and just, yeah. like, not <laughs> yeah. help you? And she was like, I am never hiring a nanny from anywhere, from Saskatchewan, so anywhere else than Saskatchewan. And I used to get that all the time there, so people would be like, oh, your nanny's from Saskatchewan. Like, mm. that's so awesome. She works so hard. Yeah. And, so um, we're, like, known for that then, I guess. Oh, it is a huge yeah. thing. I know with, like, my dad and my brother work on the diamond drills. And, um, they literally just have to tell people like, oh, I'm a farm boy from Saskatchewan and they like get the job. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is perks to that, For to sure. the work ethic that comes from here, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It is mm-hmm. crazy. It's a totally different yeah, culture wild. out there. Yeah. So I yeah, I appreciate it. that. For sure. So what have you been doing to fill your time now that so, you have a higher emphasis on work-life balance. Yeah, so I I kept a lot of the things that I was passionate about, um, like spin, for example. I'm mm-hmm. still teaching spin. That's good. Um, I'm still teaching meditation. And I, like, now, so this is the other interesting thing, is, like, now I have all this time, and I'm yeah. like, what do I do with it? So I have those pieces that take up some time. But what I what we, Shane and I have really been focusing on is, like, and mm. like being in the kitchen and like kind of nesting and just like mm. really like focusing on that aspect of our lives and it's so it's so much fun to like create together and to yeah. be like <clears throat> to spend like three hours making a meal and like using like fresh produce and like trying new recipes and like experimenting and so we like yeah it seems like almost a silly thing but it's it's like really rewarding yeah so we've been like focusing on that and trying our best to like um still incorporate like we have a few couple friends there that we love to hang out with and still trying to have that kind of balance where it's like not just you know hanging out at home all the time as much as we love that but like going out there like really trying to balance everything so yeah have you guys gotten to the point where because you guys were long distance before and now you're always together has that been hard at all? Where you like, have you guys had moments where you're like, "Ooh, I need a little bit of space." Like, this is actually too much closeness. Or have like, you guys not really? Not but really. we're really like, we're really good at communicating, and yeah. there are times just in anyone's life when they need a little bit of space, and we're really good at just communicating that. Mm. And I am more extroverted, so I don't often need a lot of like alone time. Yeah, but he can be a little bit more introverted, so he will just say like, you know, I might need like a little bit of space or even like when I'm okay technical difficulties cool but we're good um yeah so he'll just ask for space when he needs it yeah and it's I used to be really I don't want to say offended but it hurt that yeah in earlier on in our relationship where I'm like 
you need space for me and I t- mm. took it very personal and I just take a lot of things very personal which you know we can talk about with mm. my <laughs> chart and everything for sure. I'm so sensitive but now it's gotten to the point where um I've done a lot of work on myself through therapy and relationship work and everything where it's just not personal some yeah. people just need to reset yeah and the fact that he can ask for that is huge because oh yeah there's a lot of people out there that need that that can't communicate it because they're scared they're gonna hurt someone they're scared like yeah and I think that that shows like like you said the fact that you've done your work because if someone can ask for space it's because you're a safe person to ask Mm -hmm. for space from right I love that yeah so I think that, yeah, that definitely shows how much work you've done. Because if you still, like, flew off the handle and got upset every mm-hmm. single time, he probably wouldn't ask for yeah, it. well, exactly. And just silently suffer and say, yeah. this isn't even worth bringing up. Which yes. is so sad yeah. to think about. So I'm glad that we're in that kind of space in our relationship where we can just talk about what we need and communicate that and not be hurt or offended if so important I think like we forget we get into we've been sold this model of relationships where we're codependent really Mm -hmm. like all of the rom-coms all the Disney movies those are super codependent relationships Mm -hmm. with no boundaries right and so then when we're starting to implement boundaries and trying to create healthy relationships we go like this isn't what I thought relationship Mm -hmm. looks like because it's not the model that I've been taught but it's the model that's healthy and that works long term exactly so that can be hard right like you know drawing that circle around yourself and going Mm -hmm. I am my own unique distinct person outside Mm -hmm. of this relationship that can be a really hard thing to communicate absolutely because it's hard to even realize yourself that that's yeah so then to share that and both of you feel that way and work through that and you know it brings up a good point um the way that we're the way relationships are shown to us throughout our life through society movies film like all those things cumulative cumulative um it really affects how we behave in relationships especially after the honeymoon phase definitely Right? Like the honeymoon phase is just, it is what it is and it will (laughs) always be that and it's great and it's lovely and whatever. But when that kind of fades and you get into the nitty gritty of a relationship, Mm -hmm. you're expecting all of those, you know, Disney things that have been shoved down our throats for years and then you don't get that. And then it's like, well, what is this? This isn't what I signed up for. I'm not happy. Like this isn't what I want. Oh yeah. All of those expectations and, and just like... Are you familiar with Esther Perel, mm-hmm. with her work? I love how she talks yeah. about how we put way too much burden on one person to be everything mm-hmm. for us, right? Yeah. Like, if you think about 100 years ago, um, A, people didn't even marry for love, right? They mm-hmm. married for security and for yeah. class reasons and whatever. And and then they got their needs for love and passion met with, you know, mm-hmm. a mister or a mistress, right? Yeah. I think people forget how like, normal and common that that was to the point where, like, in the royal family, there is a designation for mistress. Yeah. And it's, it's so like, true. <laughs> it's, like, a title that is, like, renowned. Like, yeah, it it's is not a is. dirty yeah. thing, right? And so, but now we have, like, you're my security mm-hmm. and also the place where I want to experience risk and passion mm-hmm. and you're my confidant and my best friend and my, like... What? Mm-hmm. How it's can one person be all of that for you? And it's then, so like, there are so many people that 
don't like they stop nurturing their friendships and their connections with their family and all these other things which just puts more pressure on the relationship and then we wonder why we're all like running around miserable and calling our exes narcissists Mm -hmm. because of that that's so true right so yeah i think it's great that you guys are able to communicate when you need space and Mm. and take that especially considering you guys just moved in together yeah for sure it's It's a big it's a big step and it's a big change I mean, just living with anyone is a big change. Yeah. Just learning how to navigate any dynamic with another person, never mind a romantic, you know, relationship because you have all these, you know, kind of expectations and you talk about all these things and then you move in together and it's like, this is actually really hard. Yeah. And nobody talks about that. Yeah. And like, I love, like what I love about your podcast is that you talk about things that and your guests talk about things that not everybody want a wants to talk about yeah. and doesn't feel like they can talk about. So yeah. it's nice to have like a platform where, you know, the things that we're kind of hiding and it's, mm-hmm. you know, taboo, you can't really talk about this and you know that there's actually a place to do that because people need to be able to discuss yeah. some of these issues. So Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. And that I mean that was one of the reasons that I started the podcast actually was to have mm-hmm. those conversations because I found Um, There's actually this gate in human design called the gate of listening and um, the people who carry it like other people will just tell them their secrets and I have that gate and I've had that my whole life. I remember being Mm -hmm. 12 years old and I'd be like, you know, like on the bus and like some kid would come sit beside me and tell me all their secrets. So I've been having conversations like that my whole life. That's amazing. Right. And, And I didn't even realize until I got older that like, oh, these are conversations that other people aren't necessarily having. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't necessarily have, like, it's not reciprocal. I had yeah. to really learn to share my own stuff. Mm-hmm. I've had to do a lot of therapy on that because I got so good at being the listener. But I was constantly engaged in those conversations mm-hmm. my entire life. And I think that so cool. there's so much to be said for having those conversations and talking mm-hmm. about the things no one wants to talk about. Yeah. Because it it really, like, for example, one of the big ones I've seen is, especially as a lot of my friends are having kids and becoming moms, talking about what motherhood really is. Yeah. Talking about what giving birth really is. Like, there's all these details that no one ever talked about in our parents' and grandparents' generation. It's just, you keep quiet, you know, you don't talk about what it's like to you know, literally give birth and tear and the complications and all these things. And it's like, but why do we hide that? Mm -hmm. Because the people who go through that, the women who go through that, then they don't think that what they're moving through is normal. Yeah. And to have that kind of anxiety around it where it's like, oh, postpartum depression. Yeah. That was a big one. A lot of women suffered that, but never talked about it. Yeah. And now it's, it's sort of, being normalized in a way that I really appreciate one day hope to have a family and I can now manage my expectations with what (laughs) I'm actually getting into right like this is what I will have to potentially go through here are some complications and like it's just appreciated yeah I just love being able to talk about and listen to those things like yeah we're only human why can't we just share that information yeah, I love that. And, I, you know, even on that, like, do you remember, like, back when we were little and parents used to always say, like, being a parent is hard, moms especially. Yeah. Being a mom is hard, but it's the best thing you'll ever do. Mm-hmm. And now moms are saying, you better make sure you want this. Yeah. 
right? So before it was just like this thing you were expected to yes. do and because you were expected to do it, you just had to like gloss over it and say, but I'm so thankful for it and it's the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. Whereas not everyone actually feels that way. That's yeah. like a huge thing I work with women in therapy on is like a lot of women like feel bad about the fact that sometimes they wish that they hadn't had kids. Yes. And I'm like, you were not told what this was actually going to look like and how much of your freedom was going to be taken away. Exactly. So I love that new moms now are saying like, yes, it's great. I wouldn't trade my child for the world, but make sure you want this because yeah. it's not easy. It's not. And there's the, <laughs> one of the biggest things I learned um, so far is that some women don't bond with their babies right away. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Because the expectation is you see your baby, you instantly mm-hmm. fall in love, the world is changing, it's all sparkles and rainbows, and it's sometimes not yeah. for months. Yeah. And that's okay. And I love that people are talking about that. And, you know, that that brings me, like, perfectly to, like, one of my favorite people who talks about things that other people don't want to talk about, which is Juliet Allen. Uh-huh. She's so <laughs> great. I love her podcast. <laughs> me too. So... I love everything that she does. Um, I actually, so I guess for the people who don't know who she is, she's a sexologist out of Australia and a sex therapist and Tantra Mm -hmm. practitioner, I think, or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but um, I found her a little over a year ago. Actually, Shane found her. Cool. We were like talking about just everything sex and looking up different things and he found her blog And I started reading it and I was like, I love this woman. Like, this is everything I could ever want in, like, a female role model. Yeah. She's so, so what I love, too, about how she talks about sex is she just, she doesn't, like, dance around anything. Mm -hmm. No terms, no Mm -hmm. feelings. Like, she talks about same-sex couples, um, self-pleasure, you know, man-woman, and all these different variations of what sex looks like yeah and it's really opened up a lot of doors for me and made me realize that sex is another thing people don't want to talk about 100 percent, and need to talk about totally even in like the sex therapy realm there's like still certain ways of talking about things and different like you know she definitely is breaking barriers and just talking about all of it because sex therapy even you know typically is about dysfunction mm-hmm. oh there's something wrong with your sex yeah. life let's fix it where she takes the approach of like we all just can get better at it and yes. enjoy it more and it there doesn't have to be something quote unquote wrong mm-hmm. right yeah for you I to love that therapist. It's, it's so true yeah she's great she is great and one of the things I um that really resonated with me is I think it was like the first episode of her podcast where she called herself a sacred slut Oh, I love that. I do too. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, because there's a word that no one wants to say and everybody's, you know, it's offensive and whatever, but why can't we shift what that word means? Why can't, why can't it be sacred that a woman is into sex? Because it's, it's very like shameful, the culture around a woman, you know, um, exploring her sexuality. It's still, it's still frowned upon, which is really upsetting it. And you know, it comes back to childhood mm-hmm. where you know you can't you know the way they teach sex ed in school and or at least when we were in school yeah was so damaging because yeah. anytime you felt sexual energy it was like suppressed immediately totally so but n- but not for men mm-hmm. so it there was always that disconnect and so her using that term it was like 
permission slip to be like, it's okay to be a slut. Mm -hmm. It can be sacred. It can be intimate. It can be whatever you define yeah. sexuality and sexual energy. And I, like, I, I just wish every woman would listen to her podcast. And what I love, too, is that you can kind of pick and choose whatever episodes you want to listen to. Yeah. Some people, and she's very um, open about this, some of the stuff she talks about is not everyone's cup of tea. That's okay. But it's so cool to listen to it and to expand your idea mm -hmm. of what sex can look like. Exactly. Right? Even if you're not interested in it and you're like, mm, that's a kink that I'm not definitely mm -hmm. interested in, at least you can listen to it and, and begin to understand and open your mind yeah. in that way, which I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. I've never heard her use that term, but I like it. Yeah. What? Okay. So what would being a sacred slut, what does that mean to you? To me, it, well, for me, it means to, to embrace your sexual energy, your mm -hmm. feminine energy yes. as well. Yeah. And to, when, when sexual energy comes up, because she talks a lot about how sexual energy flows and it's creative energy, same with males as well, mm -hmm. like this is the energy that creates life. As it comes up, to just let it come up. Yeah. You know, like if you're feeling horny, be horny. Yeah. Talk about it. Mm -hmm. Ex like, you know, use your body to experience it. You know, be sensual, touch yourself. Like, don't suppress it. And mm -hmm. I found myself doing that a lot in the earlier years of my sexual sexuality, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, it would be, I'm feeling this way, I can't or I shouldn't or, you know, I just met this person, I don't want to, you know, like yeah. seem a certain way. Oh, yeah, that's a huge one. Like, oh, I'm going to make him wait until the six-month mark because yeah. then he'll think that <laughs> yeah. I'm not a whore. Exactly. Like, it's just bizarre. So we get, you know, dealt these cards throughout life. You have to do this. You have to say this. You have to be this way. And so being a sacred slut for me is is allowing the, that yeah. to – it's natural. It's yeah. who we are. It's what connects us. And, you know, not even just with other people but with yourself. For she sure. talks a lot about how self-pleasure is really important mm -hmm. and – that's another thing that's really taboo, especially for women. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to, I don't know what makes me feel good, what makes me orgasm. Like, we don't for even sure. know our own bodies. I remember there was an episode of Sex in the City mm -hmm. that I think was pivotal for me as a, a young woman. I think it would have been like 14 or 15. Yeah. And uh, Samantha said something like, she was talking about masturbation. And I think it was Charlotte was like, oh, I don't do that. And <laughs> Samantha was like, <laughs> I think I know this episode. Yeah, Samantha was like, honey, if you don't want to have sex with yourself, then no one's going to want to have sex with you. <laughs> and so I was true. like, whoa. Like, it just like blew my mind open. Yeah. So it was like that one episode, that one line, like yeah. totally shattered like all of that taboo stuff for mm -hmm. me at age 14. So it's also crazy how much That's like amazing. pop culture and what we're exposed to yeah. can have an impact, right? So you look at like people who are raised in the Catholic church mm -hmm. and the way that they're kind of taught about sex and how dirty it is and all these different things. Like they have massive trauma to work through yeah. with reconnecting back yeah. to their sexuality. And it's Big so sad. There's a lot of shame around yeah. it. And at such a young age. And it's really sad because I remember literally... So I went to a Catholic elementary school. Mm. Um, we weren't a super religious family. Like, we didn't go to church, but we ended up going to a Catholic elementary <laughs> You're school, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. Mm -hmm. um, which I feel like was my grandparents mostly. But anyway, I remember reading in a textbook, you know, like, masturbation is wrong. 
don't do it. And it's like up there, it's like a blasphemous thing to Mm -hmm. do. And so you feel guilty touching yourself. Yeah. And it's natural to want to touch yourself and not even just in your genitals to just like to feel yourself, just run your hands up and down your body. And it's like, that's a form of self-pleasure too. Yeah. But why even, you know, it was just a no, you can't do that. And yeah, like sex in the city, like if you can't, and Juliet's big on that too, if you can't pleasure yourself and like basically date yourself and Mm -hmm. love yourself, then you're never going to have ecstatic sex, Mm -hmm. which is a big, you know, term that she uses that I love. Um, and I, I also really love her. Have you seen on her website, her like uh, crystal, like Oh, her wands. wands. No. Uh, well, I know, I knew she sold them. Yeah. And there's a few other places that do too. Mm-hmm. Do you have one? I have two. Do you love them? <laughs> I do love them. Because they're really good for so many different things, right? Like de-armoring too. Yeah. So not just the self-pleasure work. Exactly. Yeah. And so I have like a, um, oh my God, rose quartz. And oh yeah. Clear quartz one. Do you use them for different things? One is so one is like the straight kind yeah. of one and then one is curved. Oh yeah. Um but I find with the with the rose one it's very like I get a lot of like it's very loving and mm-hmm. warm like when I'm feeling that way. It's so healing. Sometimes yeah, sometimes yeah. I just put it on my chest or yeah. I just hold it. Like sometimes that is is yeah, it's very healing. Yeah. Um and it, <laughs> It's, it's so funny. I have a story. My cousin was over and I have them. Like, I just have them. I have like an altar in my mm-hmm. room and, or, well, now I still do actually, um, where I had them just on there with my other kind of crystals and stuff. <laughs> she's like, she came over and she, she picks it up and she's like, this looks like a dildo. <laughs> and I'm like, it is. And she's like, ah! And like threw it down on the so funny and I'm like it's clean <laughs> like but yeah it's it's still like a lot of people are like what the hell like why would you do that and if you read some of the um like testimonials and reviews on her product like pe- women are saying things like I never had this deep of an orgasm before I yeah. never felt so in tune with my own body like I actually have a connection with myself yeah and that that is the starting point of a true connection with someone else 100% so and that connection to your own like feminine being right mm -hmm. like we forget that the womb and like that Mm -hmm. little area is like the seat of our power and if you want to get really like political about it like the reason that our sexuality has been suppressed for so long is because it's so powerful Mm -hmm. like it's so powerful a woman who owns her sexuality who is in charge of her body who allows herself to be sensual and also sets boundaries around what feels good and what doesn't right i don't personally think that it's you know evolved or sexually awakened to to do things sexually that you don't really want to do for sure um but i like if we like really go back in history there was a time when like their like prostitution for example was a sacred like it was a career move and it was something that like people weren't looking down on prostitutes interesting it was a very like prominent or prestigious kind of job Uh um even if you look at like during the the world wars there were tons of prostitutes that were sent out 
and, and like nobody talks about yeah. them. This is history that's been like suppressed. But then like you look at like way back in in like Greek times or all of these different things, like sexuality was just honored in yeah. a way that it is not anymore. Yeah. And I really think that that's because it, it keeps us small. Mm-hmm. It keeps women small. If you yeah. tell them that their sexuality is dangerous, then mm-hmm. like you're going to have an entire society of, of women who don't know their worth. Yeah, that's that's actually a fantastic point. And, you know, the more work you do with sexual energy and your body and orgasmic energy and all of that, you start to realize the true potential of mm-hmm. what sex can be yeah. and what it should be. Mm-hmm. And it's so I find it so sad that there's so many long-term relationships where sex just dies. Yeah. People just stop That is my having worst sex. nightmare. Yes. Worst <laughs> Worst fucking nightmare. I could not handle that. I could not handle a sexless marriage. No. And it's actually like way more common than we think. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you you know that from what the work that you do. And it's, this is like part of why these things need to be talked about. Mm -hmm. Why Juliet Allen is such a pivotal person in this type of movement where people just, like she just lays it out all on the table and, and use it. It's not just sex. It's communication it's self-love it's you know working on your shit it's healing yourself it's it's all the big picture and sex is just a piece of it just like you know tantra she's big into tantra and i'm i'm obsessed with tantra. i don't know much about tantra oh okay so i so way back i should say like two years ago i did a workshop actually and it was hosted at the movement and it was like a meditation for couples cool workshop and mm-hmm. I, I focused it on Tantra yeah and it's funny story that's actually how Chrissy and I became so close so oh, yeah both of our partners um couldn't make it right. and there was an exercise we did an eye gazing exercise oh. and so her and I didn't have a partner so her and I eye gazed yeah and we always joke it's like that's when we became best friends of course it is Right? Like, we were so connected in that Mm -hmm. moment, and then it was like, we couldn't, like, it changed us forever. Yeah. So, Tantra, like, if in my, the way I would describe it, is is really being totally present, like, Mm -hmm. 100% in the moment with someone. Yeah. And letting the energy just flow between you two. It's not like, we have to do this, we should do this, nothing is planned. Mm. It's very, it doesn't have to be sexual, it could be, you could practice tantra making a meal together if you're present in every moment and you're you know cutting the vegetables together and you're laughing and you're you know touching each other like Mm -hmm. it's being present it's allowing the energy to flow it's um it's just connection in the deepest form really i think the eye gazing is a huge mm-hmm. practice. I love eye gazing. Me too. Yeah. And I often cry when I do. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. just... <laughs> so sensitive. It, yeah, so sensitive. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh my god, all the emotions. And uh, it's just, like, you really... Even, like, one other practice I love that's a tantra practice is matching your breath with mm-hmm. someone. So that kind of becoming sort of one mm-hmm. but it's just constant kind of movement and it's freeing and um there's just so many different ways to practice tantra and they're so simple mm-hmm. like i always think of the couples that yeah that that you know are basically like roommates you know they're close yeah. but they don't have sex they don't there's that energy no polarity there. anymore exactly yeah and a simple thing like eye gazing can yeah. change 
it like that. For and sure. It's like, oh my god, I'm connecting to you again. Like mm-hmm. it, there's and like you said, that polarity. And yeah, so Tantra is a huge thing, but I love I just like love everything she talks about. And I actually okay, so this is kinda cool. I had a friend who had a session with Juliet. Oh cool. Yeah. And so she went kind of, you know, same idea, like not having as much sex anymore just not feeling like having sex either like the the desire wasn't there and so Juliet was like you need to date yourself yeah like you need to take yourself out on a date spoil mm-hmm. spoil yourself give yourself some self-care get a massage a pedicure whatever and then she's like then I want you to stand in front of the mirror naked mm-hmm. and just look at look at yourself in awe yeah and like find yourself beautiful and mm-hmm. don't think about all the things you wish you could change just like literally fall in love with yourself yeah and just touch yourself and it doesn't have to be like how did she put it she's like you know quickly running your fingers over your clit until you work like it doesn't have to be that and it shouldn't yeah. be that yeah it should just be like exploration and you know you have to start there you always have to start at mm-hmm. yourself so yeah it was really cool I'm like so jealous that she got to even talk to her because do you think she's doing like if she did the training would you do it I would love to yeah I feel like you'd be really good at that because you have to like a you have to be practicing this stuff yourself Mm -hmm. right and then b you have to know how to be a safe place for other people which I feel like you know especially with your meditation work and all those Mm -hmm. things like you definitely could tap into that and then, yeah, you have to be passionate about it. Yeah. You obviously are, yeah, right? very much. I could see, like, your path kind of going down, mm-hmm. you know, that road. Because yeah. I think, like, even, like, meditation and mindfulness and then sexuality and tantra, they mm-hmm. work really beautifully they together. Really do. Yeah, they really, really do. So why do you like her? Because you definitely I, know her. Yeah, so I found her through John Wineland mm-hmm. because he was on her yes. podcast. And I, like, love John. He is too. one of... There aren't a lot of men that I'm really drawn to learning from right now, Mm -hmm. but he is definitely one of them. Um, That, like, strong, masculine, grounded presence that he has is so nourishing for me. And so I found her through him. And I haven't listened to, like, a whole ton of her episodes, but um, I've read some of her articles and and listened to a few episodes, and I just really like her approach to sexuality. Um, I've always found... I like I have this interesting paradox. I'm very um, particular about sexual partners. Always mm-hmm. have been. I've That's al- fantastic. <laughs> always. Yeah. Like I, I've never had a whole face. Like my sister Joe, yeah. she's like, you're gonna be 36, and then you're gonna be like, I want to have a whole face. Oh my and I'm like, I doubt it. I think if at 19, I didn't want to have one, I yeah. probably won't. Yeah. Um. Sometimes I feel like I missed out on that, but every time I'm single, I'm like, oh, I actually have zero interest in having mm-hmm. sex with people yeah. that I don't have a connection with. Yes. So I've only ever had sex with people that I've been in relationship with or like dating for a, mm-hmm. a period of time. Um, but I've always identified as someone who is very comfortable mm-hmm. with their sexuality. Like that's never been something that I've had a problem with. Yeah. Um, and so it's been this like interesting paradox of like when I was in my early twenties, I was like, am I a prude or am I a slut? Like which one? Yeah. Because different you versions have to of be me. one or the other. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, whereas 
you know, I think the big thing for me with my sexuality was learning that, like, I get to choose my partners, and then, you know, once I'm in a relationship, that's when I really allow my sexuality to, like, Mm -hmm. you know, kick back in in a really powerful way, and that's exactly it. I need so much safety. Mm -hmm. I also, I think when you have a good connection to your own sexuality and your own sensuality you also won't settle for bad sex like that thing of like oh sex is like pizza like there's no such thing as bad sex I totally disagree disagree. (laughs) 100% like unless it's gonna be a really good experience I don't want to do it yeah, because like, you need... not your, happening. Exactly. You need, like, alignment in mm-hmm. your centers to... You know, even if you just break it down to three. Yeah. Like, your head, your heart, and your sex center. You yeah. know, you have to be able to have, you know, sexual attraction to the person. Yeah. You have to have that heart connection. It has to make sense for you logically. Like, those things all have to align, I'm yeah. sure, for you, and it does for me, for, to want to really... Yeah like have to be with somebody intimately yeah and sometimes like there's that term I think Juliet uses takeaway sex where you have sex and there's like nothing to take yeah. away from it it's just it was just sex you don't feel connected you leave feeling kind of dirty it's like yeah. this wasn't the right person this wasn't like this was just off yeah you know and I think that happens sometimes when you know you're you're I don't want to just like single out single people or whatever but you're you know, you're feeling kind of attracted to someone, but there is an other connection there, but you're like, you know, whatever, and you kind of just, yeah, you have sex, and it's just, ugh, and so, yeah, I really like how, you know, if you think about it in those kind of three centers, if yeah. you will, where and ask the questions, like, am I connected to this person? Do I feel that heart connection? Do I feel, you know, even sexually attracted? Sometimes, even in relationships, the head and the heart are good to go, but the sex, the sexuality isn't there. Well, like, exactly. Attraction. You isn't have to there. have all three. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah, it's been interesting with that, with navigating that, mm-hmm. and just knowing. Like now, I'm very. I, I just know. Like yeah. I'm just particular about my partners, and it it it's not like a certain amount of time or like a certain label that needs to be had mm-hmm. in the relationship. It's just trust. Like yeah. once I trust someone, then it's like. Yeah, it's all good, but and that's so healthy. Yeah, and that's I'm really... so thankful that I didn't. Because I know when I was younger, I was like, "Well, all my friends are like doing the casual sex thing. Yeah. Maybe I should." And I've definitely done like friends with benefits mm-hmm. kinds of things, but it was always with men that I I trusted. Yeah. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm thankful for that now that I had that awareness mm-hmm. when I was younger. Because even I don't know if if. In, like, Tantra, they talk about this, but I know in Kundalini and, and other kinds of um, energetic circles, they also talk about how women carry the energetic imprint of men that they have sex with for seven years. Oh, wow. And, like, and some people believe that it never goes away. Like, you're yeah. carrying some parts of that person's energy with you. And men as well, it's just not as, like, long-term. Yeah. And so... When I think about that, I'm like, oh, I only want to share that kind of energy with mm-hmm. people that have good energy mm-hmm. and that have something to give me and aren't going to yeah. deplete. And it, it's kind of a scary thought to me to think of like carrying other people's energetic gunk yeah. for seven fucking years just for like a yes, one night stand. Exactly. That sounds awful. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. But you know, that makes sense because if you think about it as women, we're literally taking that person in. Yeah. They're like <laughs> entering us. Yeah. And that's how it is for women. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I think it's so important to 
really distinguish between mm-hmm. like a male and female and you know or the energy feminine energy male energy yeah. because you are taking somebody in yeah. you it's a very like vulnerable yeah like, you know it's very sacred yeah so and in kundalini they actually talk about and this is where it gets like a little esoteric and woo-woo but they talk about like there's arc lines that women have mm-hmm. and um the reason that they believe that women will take on that energy is is so that they now have the understanding of that man's entire lineage for if they were to get pregnant oh and have to like That's you know cool. take care of this child they now have like an energetic understanding of what the child is carrying mm. and so if you're having sex with shitty men that you don't trust or <laughs> like a shit ass guy <laughs> like what are you carrying in your yeah. line, right if you're yeah. gonna go into and I might have butchered that a little bit because I haven't went too deep into mm-hmm. the um, arc line part of kundalini and yeah. just kind of starting the practice but that's what I kind of got from it is that mm. that's why um, you know women will take on that energetic imprint and I'm sure there's a version of that for men but I don't know that it would be as yeah. long term yeah right interesting I like yeah. that though and I think it's important to think about those kind of things when you are choosing somebody mm-hmm. to be intimate with not necessarily that particular thing but yeah. to think about what does this mean for me long-term? What does it mean for me right now? Why am I doing this? Is it like a temporary fix? Is it someone that I really want to connect with? Can we connect in other ways? For sure. You know, in that kind of realm of sort of the casual sex or one night stand. And yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. I like Juliet talks a lot about that kind of stuff too. And I think it's great that people are talking about it because casual Mm -hmm. sex is another thing that like you don't talk about. It's taboo. It's, you know, if you're a woman who's having casual sex, you're frowned upon. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Yeah, I really need to work on breaking some of those barriers down between men and women. I think it's, it's changing. I think so too. I really do. Um, do you have TikTok or have you paid attention to it? Not, like I know oh. it exists and it's hilarious. It's so <laughs> I really funny. don't know anything else. Tell People me. are going to hear me talk about it okay. all the time this year wait. because I'm obsessed. <laughs> like I've started to make TikToks and like whatever. But I'm okay. also just so fascinated by how quickly culture has changed. And you can see that mm. just watching. Like Gen Z is A, they're so hilarious. Like yeah. <laughs> do not come for Gen Z because they will slit your throat. They're so funny. <laughs> I love them so much. Um, But they're also so open about these Mm -hmm. things. And they're having these conversations. And there's this one. So there's trends on TikTok. So how they go viral, it's kind of like memes. But there'll be like a song. And someone will create something really funny to kind of go with that Mm -hmm. song. And then other people will go like, oh, that's hilarious. I can do a spinoff. I can like, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's this one song. It's like, once upon a time not long ago, what was a hope? I'm making it. Like, it's so funny. And all of these, like, Gen Z kids are having their moms come on and, like, yeah. listening to it. And there's, like, they're just creating a lot of content around this idea of, like, people owning that they used yes. to have a lot of sex and it not being... Like, there's doctors and stuff on there. I saw one yeah. last night where the, the doctor, like has his glasses on and then the song comes on and he he's like making faces as this like pretend patient is telling him about like her whole <laughs> face and it's just so funny but it's like things like that have been really just owned like they're mm-hmm. they're owning it and then they're I mean they're a little too sexual they're teenagers I don't understand right. what they're doing <laughs> I'm like guys what, what are you like, there's here. predators on this yeah. app but it, it's also really cool to see 
how they're totally owning their sexuality. Mm-hmm. Like, they have no problem saying, like, I think I'm attractive. I think I'm beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that I'm great. Like, there's a lot of of just changes even in... Because I know when I was 17 or 16, mm-hmm. if you ever put anything out there that let people know that you thought that you were attractive or sexy, like, people would be like, yeah. what is wrong with you? Exactly. Whereas now, I mean, like I said, I think they've gone a little bit too far, mm-hmm. but that's just... Yeah. Me being old and, and scared <laughs> for all of them. Because I'm like, yeah. seriously, Kids there are... Yeah. Yeah. But it's really interesting to see how much that has shifted in like 10 mm-hmm. years. That's a really good point. And I think we are making like huge strides mm-hmm. in a lot of these things. And I love watching it unfold because I always reflect back to where was... Like you just said, what was I like when I was that age? What was I experiencing and navigating through and... What were some of the ideas that I held on to that, mm-hmm. you know, allowed me to choose who I was with, that allowed me to choose my career, choose how I thought about myself? Like, yeah. there's all these circulating things that go through my mind of, wow, like, if I had this tool when I was that age, how would things have changed for me? Um, and there's a place to reflect, and there's also a place to just, like, appreciate where you are now. Yeah. Because, like we're moving, we've moved through so much in our life that we can sit here and have a conversation like this Mm -hmm. and like really connect over these, these taboo things, which I love. Mm -hmm. Like I love being able to start a conversation about stuff that people are too scared to talk about. Do you find with your friends, like, do you start talking about this stuff with them and then they go like, whoa, no, we're not Some people, some Some people, yeah. And some people are really, you can tell some friends of mine like really want to talk about it but like yeah. don't know how and I remember like back in high school we used to talk about sex all the time yeah that was same. like a thing right mm-hmm. it's and you and it, I think it was healthy because yeah. like, that's where you learned a lot of things and you move through a lot together and then it's just been silenced since you've been an adult and you know I want to also you know acknowledge that you don't have to talk about sex either if yeah. it's personal to you right For like sure. if you don't have to give nitty-gritty details of you and your partner but if you want to talk about it, yeah. you should be able to talk about it. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good point, right? Because the more we move towards people owning their sexuality and and really having these conversations, mm-hmm. I think there are people that feel pressured to also move yeah. into that. And I think it's it's really just yeah, looking at your own relationship mm-hmm. to your sexuality and then creating boundaries around that that work for you. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. And yeah, so that's a really good point because I think there are a lot of people that, that don't want to share details and, Mm -hmm. or even don't want to talk about it and that's fine too, but just owning that and and Mm -hmm. really looking at your own relationship to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, some people definitely are like, you know, and I don't really like bring it up, but most people who are close to me know that this is something that I'm passionate about. And even the other day I shared, did you see the quote that I had shared on my story. I'm going to pull it up because it's like a great Mm, quote that really like embodies kind of what, and and it was of course Juliet. So it was from her? Yeah. And I, I don't think it was her quote, but she posted it and it said, until now, most human beings have remained quite ignorant of their own loving potential. Mm -hmm. We human beings are able to make love more frequently and sensually than perhaps any other animal, yet we're often disappointed after lovemaking. Why? Because most of us, like, most of us are like owners of a precious Stradivarius violin that we have never learned to play. Yeah. And it's, it's like, 
that really resonated with me because there's so much potential mm-hmm. in your own being and your own sexual energy. Yeah. And we just, we have this amazing potential that mm-hmm. we've never tapped into or yeah. learned about. And the more I get into it and like Tantra and um, all the different types of ways to like move sexual energy through you, through breath work and all this stuff, it's like the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. Like even... Um, like so breath work an example like through in, during sex or while you're feeling sexual energy is to imagine um that feeling that sexual energy starting right at the root chakra or right kind of in that area and allowing it to move up through your spine and mm. into your head and if you keep your tongue to your mouth or sorry the your tongue to the roof of your mouth and allow that energy to flow in a circular motion so it comes up through the back and down forward and back up and to practice that breath even while you're having sex to keep this sexual energy kind of moving yeah and to let it kind of come and go in um, like peaks and valleys as well a lot of people most people have really goal oriented sex oh yeah right it's like you finish he finishes we're done and to keep that energy moving instead of just let's finish let's get to the top and be done mm-hmm creates ecstatic sex for it's, sure it's an, you can enjoy it more you can feel your body more you can um you know if you break that kind of uh seal in your mouth with your tongue the energy can move out of you too mm-hmm. so maybe that is something you want to do you want to practice but even just experimenting with that breath work through sex and um you know allowing sounds to come out too like a lot mm-hmm. of people are like oh, i don't want to sound a certain way because of porn culture yes. really yeah. at the end of the day mm-hmm. and sometimes the noises aren't the prettiest but <laughs> you, just, you just let it out because you have to like keep yeah. that energy moving and but well, I guess like another good point is like how porn culture has really affected yeah sex culture and Hugely. it's uh it's it's a big mountain to climb and to tackle but there is of course a huge component of that too men expect sex to be how Mm -hmm. women expect to behave during sex um what it's supposed to look like Mm -hmm. like there was a little graphic i saw uh maybe a year ago that was like what real sex looks like it was all these little cartoons of people like you know making funny noises or falling down or there's period (laughs) blood or there's like whatever like this is what it looks like what real sex looks like and I love that that's being normalized because mm-hmm. sex doesn't look like porn. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want it to. Yeah. Most people don't want it to. No. It's just that's what you see and that's what you expect. It's so fake, right? I remember <laughs> being like 16 and like sitting down with my friends and we're like, let's see what this is about. Yeah. And then popping in the, like, the DVD. I don't know where we yeah. found this DVD. And like being like, oh this is so like we had never had sex and we were like this is fake this isn't real not a chance it's real no and I think that's changing there's a lot of I think porn that's coming out that's more realistic and and you know whatever but that is an interesting topic because like the impact that porn has on your brain for Mm -hmm. men the impact that it has like if you're, you know, masturbating six times a day, actually, mm-hmm. I don't know how many, very many men that can do that, but yeah. you know, <laughs> can you imagine? Like full time job? Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> um, but if if you're doing that, like 
I think that's also another conversation that a lot of men are having mm. is about how much energy they leak through masturbation. Yes. So for them, it's like learning how to honor their sexuality in a way so that they're still masturbating and mm. taking care of themselves when they need Harnessing to. Harnessing that. But that, energy. yeah, but that it doesn't become a crutch or this like way yes. to escape the world. Exactly. Right? So it's a really interesting thing because I think that. And I mean, I think another thing that's important to think about too is that we expect men to, to just always be able to get an erection, to mm-hmm. always be able to come, to always yeah. be able to like. They're expected to be kind of robotic. There's a lot yeah. of expectations put on them too, Big time. which are aren't fair. I think yeah. even um, men who watch a lot of porn and then have sex with real women, I think, experience inferiority complexes mm-hmm. because the women in real life aren't necessarily acting or behaving or moaning mm-hmm. in the way that women exactly. in porn do and so like there's a lot of stuff going on there mm-hmm. and so I think it's really important for both sides and all genders to have conversations about yes. sex and what that looks like I completely agree and and you make a good point about the like the you know expected to come expected to do this expected to get it up every time and it lasts this long and you know going back to that sexual energy is creative life force energy yeah. that they have. And yeah. to constantly be draining yourself of it all the time yeah. drains you. No wonder they come home and lay on the couch and watch TV. Mm-hmm. They're tired. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the face you just had was so good. Yeah, but it's true. And like I so okay, so this is I'm so excited about this. I signed up for Julie Downs Pleasure School. I did not know that was a thing. It's when a does thing. it start? She, so it's she had the first round of students start last month, and I think she's doing another round in March. And I think it's like twenty bucks a month, and she posts videos. Oh, so cool! Several videos every month, and um, you can watch it by yourself. You can watch oh, it with like your a partner. subscription. Yes, mm. and so we watched a few videos. We love it, and she has her partner on there talking about about men's sexuality and men's sexual energy and you know what it means to kind of ride the waves of orgasmic energy and Mm -hmm. you know not being goal oriented not being like I have to orgasm yeah um and one thing that really stuck to me that he had mentioned is men are are not taught how to be sensual yeah with themselves yeah like, when have you ever seen a man stroke his own arm? Never. Never. And, no. like, that's a part of the self-pleasure um, that, you know, we should be doing as women as well. You know, mm-hmm. exploring your body, feeling yourself, being sensual. And men need that, too. Mm-hmm. They need to start with the self-pleasure and the sensuality for them to really get in tune with their body. Yeah. To really let the sexual energy move through them. Yeah. And to to add an extra layer of pleasure. Yeah. And it's, it makes me sad because, like, men don't have that mm. sensuality. And they only get that with their girlfriends and wives or partners, you know. Exactly. Um, and so we leave men very vulnerable to just not feeling connected to themselves. Or even, like, if you really think about it, like, women get those needs for affection met everywhere. Mm-hmm. Friendships. Mm-hmm. Their relationship. Their dog. Their, their dog. <laughs> you know, the woman at Starbucks that's yeah. having a good day and wants to hug everyone. Like, yeah. it's, we get those needs met everywhere and we tend to be a little bit better at meeting those needs for ourselves, right? Yeah. We'll go for a massage, we'll mm-hmm. get a facial, we'll, you know, 
do our do body scrub like, like yeah you know but men really rely on their mm-hmm. girlfriends and or their their boyfriends to give that to them mm-hmm. and it never used to be like that men used to be able to cuddle with each other and, and touch each other yeah. and all these different things but that's been homoeroticized and now mm-hmm. men don't do things like that because they're scared of being called gay yeah just a whole other issue in itself sure. um and so it's really interesting when you look at the fact that there are more men that are, are talking about the importance of that, like male-to-male touch, but then also having your own self-care practices as a mm-hmm. man. I think it's ridiculous that there are men that don't have a skincare routine. I know! <laughs> because they think that that means something about them. Exactly. It's like, you have skin too. Take care of it, dude. There's dirt and everything flying around, and you're not scrubbing it off, and yeah. that's going to come, like, you know? like <laughs> Take care of your skin. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So there's it's a lot so true. It's to so be true. done for men and their ability mm-hmm. to take care of themselves, too. Yeah, and it does, it always starts at your own self. You yeah. know, like, it, it, you have to care enough to, to put the time into self-care and to, because it, anytime you put a little bit of self-care into yourself, you're also, you know, watering the relationship too like you're, yeah. you're giving into your you know your friendships your romantic relationships like your relationships and dynamic with your family like yeah. if you're in a better place with yourself it's always going to extend outwards everything will be better yeah yeah for sure so what would you recommend so someone who's just getting into this type mm-hmm. of work what would you where would you recommend they start i well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but definitely check out Juliet Allen's. Yeah. Even just her podcast. And pick and choose a couple. Even even listen to the safe. first yeah, ones mm-hmm. that feel safe. Or start with the Sacred Slut one. Or yeah. you know, she has a few um pretty good blog posts. I don't think she posts blogs anymore, but on her website, I would just start there and see how you feel about her voice, mm-hmm. her delivery. Um and she recommends some fantastic books too. I haven't okay. I haven't done any or read any of the books yet, but a few of them are on my list. And um, but I think more than anything, if you're in a partnership or relationship, to start talking to your partner mm-hmm. about this. I think that's where a lot of things get lost, and yeah. that's how you know the relationships b- become a sexless relationship. Mm-hmm. Is people aren't communicating. Hey, I like this. Yeah. Or I want to try this. Or how do you feel about that? Or I really liked how this was that and whatever. Like any form of conversation. And to just know that, you know, I guess your partner wants to talk about it too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think that's, you know, we're scared. Like, are they going to think this is weird or that I'm not happy if mm-hmm. I'm suggesting things that I want? Is to just start the conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you're not in a partnership, I love Juliet's advice to my friend. Date yourself. Mm-hmm. Just start, like, really... Just date yourself. Love up on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think that would be the perfect mm-hmm. place to start. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think... Okay, so for the people listening who want to start having these conversations with, you know, male or masculine partners... Mm-hmm. Um, John Wineland is a really good place to direct Yes, them. Because he, I think that there are a lot of people talking about this that are kind of um, like out there or woo-woo. Mm. And then, you know, I find, especially in Saskatchewan, very masculine men will say like, oh, yeah. I can't identify with that person. So yes. it's hard for me to get their message. Whereas yeah. John Wineland is, is very grounded in his masculine. Yes. 
he's very much a, a like a dude. So I find that men tend to mm-hmm. to be able to like metabolize his message yes. a little bit easier. Yes. So that's a good place to start for you know any men listening to this or masculine identified people. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And um we're we're so scared of um, because sex is such a sensitive topic, we're so scared of, of hurting another person mm-hmm. by talking about it. Because, yeah. you know, to say, hey, I want more <clears> of this <throat> or I want to try this, yeah. to someone who's maybe not the most secure in mm-hmm. their own sexuality will take offense to that. For sure. And and be like, I'm not good enough. I'm not doing enough. Yeah, especially for men, because their masculinity is really tied to their sexual prowess mm. or abilities. Yeah. Right? Um, for sure. So that is a sensitive. I think it's important to be sensitive when you're having these mm-hmm. conversations and not just sit someone down and be like, listen, buddy, say work. <laughs> yeah, you need to go down on me hard. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> probably not going to work. Yeah, it's not the best delivery. No. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just communication is so important. It's just, it's the pillar of everything. Every yeah. relationship, anytime you're going to transition through something, mm-hmm. anytime you're feeling something, if you don't feel like you can mm-hmm. talk about it, of course it's going to slowly eat away at For sure, and it's going to fester. And the thing with communication too is like often people think like, I don't want to sit down and have an hour long conversation about what I like and what I don't like. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to communicate like that. You can literally yes. do that in the moment by like amplifying your expression so when your partner does something that you really like Mm -hmm. like lean into pleasure and show them like I really like that when your partner does something that you don't like show them Mm -hmm. and like don't be like hey shithead don't do that but like really show them with your expressions your body language Mm -hmm. noises like that that didn't feel good and then that way too you don't always have to be sitting down and having those conversations you can have Mm -hmm. them in the moment exactly exactly I love that that's a really great way of putting that yeah, and, and even outwards in your relationship too, expressing appreciation and gratitude for things that might not be sexual. Yeah. Like, thank you for picking up the dry cleaning today. I so really important. appreciated that you were considerate and, you know, whatever, clean the house. Like, whatever it looks like yeah. to you and your relationship, to constantly be communicating those yeah, things. Yeah, don't as well. fucking take that shit for granted. Yeah. Don't. Because. For real. Like, when people go, like, well, he lives here, too. He should be also doing the dishes. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you don't, like, lay on the sugar and really Mm -hmm. appreciate people for the things that they do. I think that when we get to that place of, like, I just expect my partner to do A, B, C, Mm -hmm. and D, like, you're already running down the road towards the end of a relationship. Because relationships cannot survive without appreciation. Yes. And the reality is that all feeds into sexual energy too. Yes, of course it does. So if you're feeling like, you know, resentful because your partner isn't doing this or doing that and there's all these issues, the last thing you want to do is to be intimate with them. 100%. So of course there's like issues that build up and it translates into someone's sex life. Yeah. For sure. Of course it does. So if there are issues, like I think, and I'm no therapist, you know, but if there are issues in the bedroom, the first question you can ask is what is going on outside the bedroom? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, everything is connected. Exactly. Right. And yeah, I mean, 
those conversations, again, the more you can open up and communicate. I think it's also really important for people to communicate the sexual kinks that they have, mm-hmm. right? And to not be shameful about yes, it. Exactly. I think also more and more people are opening up to this idea of polyamory. And mm-hmm. that's a really, like, I really think it's important for people to look at monogamy and go and actually explore that. Right? Yeah. And not just accept it as the default. Because what happens when you just accept it as the default, when you're someone who would actually prefer Mm -hmm. um, to be in a polyamorous relationship, is you open yourself up to infidelity and affairs Mm -hmm. and resentment and all of these other things because you aren't willing to look at yourself and go, I actually need an open relationship. And I think it's really important to own those things in mm-hmm. your relationships because then that way you don't have to deal with guilt and shame and all these other things exactly. for finding other people attractive or wanting to have sex with someone other than mm-hmm. your partner because you're honest and you're owning whatever it is that you need yes. and understanding that there's no shame in any of it mm-hmm. just doing the work to connect into that and figure out what it is I love that that's so true and and it is becoming more of a topic now and mm-hmm. I appreciate that because there are like monogamy does not work for everybody and no. polyamory does not work for everybody yeah and you know it's a same kind of token with sharing even like sexual fantasies that you have yeah some people are really shameful of that like oh I have this fantasy of whatever role play blah 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 but you can't be so hard on yourself because those fantasies are a accumulation of any everything. and everything you've ever seen dreamed of experienced and it doesn't mean yeah like anything more than it's just something that turns you on yeah it doesn't have to be a deeper meaning to everything yeah and I think we get caught up in that it's like oh, well, I want a, you know, a polyamorous relationship, so maybe that means something more deeper about myself, or maybe I need something's wrong with me. No. no. Yeah. Sometimes preferences are just preferences. Yeah. And they can be celebrated and shared, and no mm-hmm. one needs to be judgmental about it. Yeah, and I think that's an important part, too. Like, if your partner comes to you with something, and you are not down for that thing, it's important, obviously, to own your boundary. So just yes. because your partner wants to do something does exactly. not mean you have to do it. So you're allowed that. to be very strong in that. But don't kink shame your partner, because mm-hmm. they will never share with you again. Exactly. And you're shutting down so much potential for yeah. um, ecstatic sex in your yes, relationship, because exactly. you can't have those conversations. And and it, you, if you think of it as a conversation kind of starter, maybe it's this particular kink that they want to try and you're not into, but what if you have another idea mm-hmm. and you somehow meld the two together and you create something yeah. together? Like, there's so much potential in just communicating. Yeah. But if we never do that, we'll never know what the potential truly is. Like that quote. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll never really know how to experience ecstatic sex. Now, okay, have you seen your chart before? I haven't. So this is it. Oh my god, cool! I know. Okay, so tell me what it means. <laughs> People look at that. They're like, oh, great. Um, yeah. So you know that you're a Cancer Sun. Gemini moon Aries rising how like where did you get this birth time from My like dad. from your dad yeah. and he was watching the clock he yeah he's on it okay yeah great um he all like my brothers and I like the minute we were born what is his sun sign oh my god his birthday is October 7th so he's so, a Libra yeah 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 so smart those Libras mm-hmm. <laughs> <Engineer>. <laughs> what's Shane 
March 1st, so he's a Pisces. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so... Oh, this makes sense. Okay, no wonder, like, sex is your thing. Really? You have, yeah. You have Mars and Taurus. And so the Mars signs are... So it's our connection to our masculine, but it's also just our connection to, like, passion and desire, mm. and, and a lot of sexuality comes from that. Really? Also from our Venus sign. And so Mars and Taurus is a very, like, earthy, animalistic, primal, sensual type of sexuality. Oh <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. That is, yeah. like, yeah. So that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. I was hoping that there'd be something like that was, in your chart. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then, so, you have a Cancer Sun, and it's conjunct... Yeah, it's conjunct Jupiter. So, the Sun is our... It's our highest potential for just growth and expansion and all of these different things. It's really what we get noticed for. And then any... Like, there's so much more to your sun sign than just the zodiac that it's in. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you identify very much with very cancer much, energy. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, like, sensitive, emotional, intuitive, all of those different mm-hmm. things. But you have... Because Jupiter is a very um, expansive planet. Jupiter kind of, like, expands and grows anything that it touches. And so this can... It, it essentially does two things. Having Jupiter conjunct a cancer sun... It'll make you even more cancer-like, like more sensitive, more intuitive, more emotional. Like so it's like all those things. Yes, it's like level ten out of ten yeah. with all of the the cancer traits. Um, but it also likely safeguards you from some of the low road cancer stuff because Jupiter's always like it's happy go lucky and it's very like. Let's zoom out, find the bigger, like, find the silver lining. Mm. Let, it's a very, um, there's a lot of, like, joy and happiness and yeah. luck and opportunity contained in Jupiter. And so that would help with some of the bitterness that Cancer can sometimes mm-hmm. experience because the low road of Cancer is kind of passive-aggressive, bitter, yeah. feels like a victim, all these kinds yeah. of things. Whereas having Jupiter conjunct your sun really helps you. Mm-hmm. from not going too deep into that because For the sure. Jupiter part of you is like, uh-uh, I'm not a victim. I can create whatever <laughs> I want. It's very, like, optimistic. Hey, I love that. Because yeah. I, definitely, I definitely can see myself getting into those kind of spaces, like starting to feel a bit bitter. But yeah. I'm often able to take myself out of that. Yeah. For sure. And that's Jupiter. Jupiter's like, we don't have time for that. Yeah. We're just going to have a good time. <laughs> Travel the world. We don't have, have time for this. Literally. So pick your shit up. Yeah. Let's go. What's your Enneagram type? Do you know? My what? Enneagram? What's that? Oh, it's like a... Oh, personality. It's numbers. Okay. One, no. two, three. No? Do you no. know your Myers-Briggs? No? No. You should go find all of okay. these things. Okay. Because I'd be curious to know... Like, Cancer energy often lines up with um, Enneagram 6, and then Jupiter energy lines up with Enneagram 7, so I'd be curious of which mm-hmm. one you'd be more... Um, you might be a different one, too. It's yeah. not always, like, that cut and dry, but, yeah, I was just curious about, like, that. which part of that kind of, like, yeah. rules. And then you have a Gemini moon. So how much do you know about Gemini? Not a lot, actually. So Gemini is the sign right before cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really... 
So the modern or the the pop culture interpretations of Gemini are really about like intellect and communication and da da da, which is you know true, but it's it's so much deeper than that. Gemini is about uh, connecting all things to all things. It's about connection in its purest form. So it's about connecting ideas, connecting Mm. people. This is where the idea of like Gemini energy being the social butterfly comes from. It's not necessarily that Gemini cares to develop really close relationships with a thousand people is that Gemini is like you and you would be really good friends like I'm going to connect you and bring you together and so the moon is our internal world it's really like what we need to feel safe to feel um, connected it's really about our Mm -hmm. inner child all of these different things and so what I find with Gemini moons is like you guys have to have some sort of a social life Mm -hmm. like even though you're a cancer it would not be healthy for you to just spend all of your time at home oh i can't yeah it wouldn't like whereas a lot of cancers do do that and cancer moons especially Mm -hmm. right um if you look at like danica for example Mm -hmm. so she's an aries sun but she has a cancer moon so her Mm -hmm. cancer moon like wins out a lot of the time yeah she's like I don't want to do too much. I'm just going to stay home and hang for out. Sure. Yeah. Whereas for you, because the moon is, is a Gemini, you're more prone to wanting to go out and do yes. things. And um, I find that Gemini moons have this ability to kind of channel. So Gemini is like the bridge between heaven and earth. Again, that's another thing that's not talked about a lot. It's mm. um, really the messenger of the gods in many ways. And so Gemini's, this is where Gemini's, uh, ability to write and to speak and to put knowledge together comes mm. from often with Gemini suns and Gemini moons there's this ability to always say the right thing and not know that mm-hmm. you're gonna say the right thing but you're just like I don't know where that came from or I don't oh know God, how I know that <laughs> yeah and I'm like even as a pre- like I present I yeah. can easily public speak yeah and I don't ever write anything down yeah I just go up and wing it and that's like, exactly Whoa. it and it's because you're like downloading and it's Gemini just naturally knows that they have that ability. Um, I'm a Gemini son. So I remember doing like presentations and stuff in school and like being in groups and being like, what are you guys doing with those flashcards? Should I have flashcards? What? Like what what is this? this. Yes, exactly. And it's just this ability to just speak and somehow always kind of say the right thing or say the thing, have things come to you. Um, And so that's, what your moon is really all about is, is those abilities. And so I find Gemini moons really need to be careful of like anxiety and nervousness and worry because mm-hmm. you have a tendency to think about your feelings instead of feeling yes. your feelings. Although yeah. the cancer part of you might counteract yeah. that. And I find that Gemini moons like really benefit from therapy, actually mm-hmm. just being able to talk out yeah. their emotions and 100%. then they're able to process a little bit better and then like journaling writing meditating all of those things are really good for gemini moons Mm, that makes perfect sense yeah it really does yeah i love gemini moons yeah that's cool and that really makes sense because yeah i need to be out doing stuff i need to be doing stuff all the time yeah that's it's hard for me to just kind of sit so (laughs) that's the gemini yeah for sure for sure and then (laughs) Your rising sign is Aries. So how much do you know about Aries? Well, like the closest people in my life are Aries. Yeah. 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 And that's because, so Aries. Or closest women, I guess I should say. But yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, okay. So the rising sign is, I like to think about it as like a bubble that's around us. So it's 
the lens through which we see the world. You have like an Aries bubble around you. And then it's also the first thing people meet when they come into contact with you. Mm, So it's... um, Yeah, so tell me more about... Aries. Yeah. So Aries is impulsive. It's optimistic. It can be kind of reckless at times. I find that Aries people, especially Aries risings, really view the world through... um, uh, I'm trying to find a la- like language for this that doesn't sound negative because it's not. Yeah. But they view the world through a self-centered lens. So Aries energy is really about teaching other people through your connection to yourself, yeah. but teaching other people that it's okay to prioritize yourself. Oh, I think that's worded perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Yeah. according to my Aries bubble, that's a word. I love that because. <laughs> Like selfishness or self-centeredness is like something that we've, you know, villainized. But Aries people really show um, everyone else the magnetism that happens Mm -hmm. when you're like, I don't want to do that. So I'm not Mm -hmm. doing it. Like, no, thank Mm -hmm. you. Goodbye. See you. Yes. Whatever. And that's actually really good for you too because the Cancer energy and the Gemini energy are kind of prone to people pleasing and martyrdom. So Mm -hmm. the Aries part of you is like, "Uh uh-uh, not doing that. And that's a really important thing to lean into. For sure. Because I, like, in my early 20s, I was very much in the people-pleasing, like, phase where it's just like, I can't say no to anyone. And I was so burnt out from just, like, saying yes to everything and having all these commitments. And I was, it was overwhelming. And now I've definitely moved away from that. And it's like, I can't do this. Like, no is a complete sentence, right? Like, I, I'm not doing this. I refuse. Which is so important. Yeah. And we learn from Aries people doing that. And yeah. the thing about it too, like when I think about Aries, I often think about self-honoring mm. and like um, just having the courage to put yourself first. Aries people usually need a lot of independence too. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to like do what they want to do when they want to do it. Otherwise they get yeah. frustrated. And the thing about Aries being your rising sign is that makes Mars your chart ruler. So that thing we talked about with the Mars and Taurus being like very earthy, sensual mm-hmm. sexuality, that's actually your your primary part of your chart. Wow. So um, it has a huge significance for your life and like what mm-hmm. you're here to do. And, it, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And then you also have in the career house, you have three planets, which is considered a stellium. And it's in Capricorn, which is another oh. Earth um earth sign so there's like all of these other elements even though you have actually let's see what your missing element is because i'm curious about that that so most of us have an element that's kind of underdeveloped so we don't have as much of it in your chart in our charts so it's usually if we have one or less because all of the signs correlate to fire water earth or air yeah um (laughs) Your missing element is technically fire, but you're actually pretty well balanced in them. So that's really good. But yeah, so like even if you look at your career house, you have Uranus conjunct your like midheaven, which is your like the pinnacle of your chart. 
So that tells me that you're meant to, like your career is actually really important for you. It's like a huge part of your purpose. Um, and you're meant to do something, like do things differently and kind of like shake things up and like not do things the way that other people do them. So even yeah. when you get into meditation or some of this like sexuality work, you're going to have your own lens on things and you're going to teach people um, in a different way or, or do the work in a different way than other people yeah. would. And you're going to be drawn to things that are, like unique and different yeah those are the primary parts of your chart I mean like there's a lot going on but it's really interesting to me that that um Mars is so prominent in your chart Mm -hmm. yeah I love that okay so remind me again so that's Mars is in Taurus in your first house Mm -hmm. so it's a really really important part of your chart um and that really is so our chart ruler will tell us a lot about and where it is specifically will tell us a lot about purpose Mm -hmm. and the energy we feel the most connected to and mars is that like passion drive ambition all of those types of things and like i said you have that in taurus which really creates this like earthy kind of sensuality and sexuality it also creates like what i find with mars and taurus people is this ability to like play the long game and wait it out and to go like I know I want that thing and I have to wait and I'm okay with waiting Mm -hmm. I'm okay with like just sitting and being patient and knowing that I'm gonna get it it's actually really powerful for manifestation Mm -hmm. and then having that in the first house like this is a a me lifetime yeah like you're really about the self and developing yourself and creating an identity and and working through any issues connected to identity and individuality yeah interesting yeah so so these like this information how does it play out into like friendships relationships like how does that fit in that so all of the the planets have a different kind of role Mm -hmm. and the friendship like there's friendship houses and relationship houses so there's a lot to it um but so for example with the mars placement with that being your chart ruler and it's in your first house and it being in taurus is you're going to be drawn i find that feminine people tend to be drawn to people who embody the traits of their mars sign not always but Mm -hmm. typically um so for example with relationships you'd be drawn to men that are are grounded and Mm -hmm. able to be in their body and are present it's a hundred percent change yeah 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 because that's um the you know masculine energy that's the most comfortable for you um and those partners also teach you how to connect back into your own masculine whereas like in his chart we'd look at his venus because that would tell us you know why he was attracted to you Mm. and often like so mars is like how we get something it's how we pursue and then venus is how we attract right so women who go into the dating game and are more like pursuing and not necessarily attracting are using their mars but women that go into the dating game and are waiting to see what Mm. comes forward and are are choosing based on that are using their venus so it's different ways of using those energies in relationship and then in friendship so your venus would come out in your friendships with women primarily and you have venus in libra yeah, so, like, lots of conversation, probably lots of gossip, lots of, like, let's just sit mm-hmm. down and, like, connect and chat yeah. and all of those types of things. Like, those would be the, yeah. the types of female relationships you'd be drawn for to. For sure. Oh, let's go for coffee and just talk. Yeah. And then, like, 
Other parts of friendship is obviously the 11th house. So it's interesting that you asked about that because you have your North Node there. So that's something that you're developing is this like community and wider mm-hmm. networks and all of like friendships. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you like they all play in, right? Like different people will bring out different aspects of your chart based yeah. on their chart. Right. So yeah. you overlay one chart over top of another and then different parts of the chart are activated, which is why different relationships and friendships are so different. For sure. And that's where it gets really complex and nuanced. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's yeah. That's really cool. And so how does chart like charts play into things like cuz I'm thinking, for example, um I suppressed wanting to be a mother for so many years like Mm -hmm. so many years and only recently have I allowed myself to want that and like embody like my natural Mm. kind of mothering like I I have that nurturing side and it's it's quite apparent to a lot of people and it was so interesting that I suppressed it for so long and finally allowed it to come out so is there anything in there that kind of yes actually this is so funny. Okay. This is how this always happens. People will ask questions that are like yeah. perfect. Um, you have Chiron in the fourth house in Cancer. So that's a double whammy for that. Um, Chiron is our wound. It's like, I don't know if you believe in past lives, yeah, but yeah. it's a wound that we're carrying from past lives or early childhood. Okay. So if you want to look at it from an attachment perspective or a past lives perspective, same thing. Um, And this wound will tell us about where we feel inadequate, where we don't feel good enough, where we have a hard time, like where we have a lot of healing to do, like deep, deep, deep healing. Um, And then once we work through that and do the healing, then we can Mm -hmm. kind of be a source of healing for other people in that area. And you have that in cancer, which is like the sign most connected to motherhood in the fourth house, which is the motherhood house. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's so funny. Yeah. It, oh, wow. You know, and I mean, the interesting thing about that is if Chiron wasn't in that, like having cancer, having your son in cancer and then having cancer ruling your fourth house is typically people that are like, motherhood is my jam. I'm going to have yeah. a baby at 18. Right. Like the whole thing. Right. But Chiron in there, plus all of the stuff going on in your yeah. career house really created this like thing that you'll have to work through. Like mm-hmm. there's likely a wound there that needs to be worked through so even like once you do um get pregnant and become a mother like there's going to be stuff that comes up so Mm -hmm. that's an important thing to know for Mm -hmm. you is that like there's going to be wounds that you have to work through and healing that needs to be done through that process yeah because it's like I have this innate you know want for it but then I I closed it off for so long probably yeah intuitively yeah because there's lots of healing that has to that will happen through Mm -hmm. that and you have to be ready for it right so it's a good thing that you didn't um start having kids super early because you might not have been emotionally ready for it yeah interesting yeah cool cool that you asked that question so yeah the birth chart is really cool there's lots of like different layers to Mm -hmm. it and I find that people already intuitively know where their tender spots are yeah. in their chart. It's usually, actually never. I never tell someone something that they don't already know. It's usually just a validation of like, oh, okay, this makes a lot of mm-hmm. sense for why I feel this way. And putting puzzle pieces together because it's like I know these things about myself, but mm-hmm. I don't know how they intertwine with each other. Yeah. And I don't know why I'm drawn to this person versus that or why 
I suppressed in, mm-hmm. intuitive, you know, wants and needs for so many years. Yeah. You know, like there's, it just puts all those pieces together. Yeah. And, and gives me a bit more perspective going forward too. Mm-hmm. Like, cause for so, for so long being so emotional, I had no idea what to do with all of my emotions. Mm-hmm. Like it was just too much. Mm-hmm. And like Pete, someone would say one thing that like I took too personal and then I thought about it for four days and I'm crying and it's like, I can't live like this anymore. It's too much. So from doing all the work I have been doing and continually do is really like tuning into these feelings. And like you, you make a really good point that I would often just think about my feelings yeah, and not just feel them. Uh Uh-huh. So, so Gemini. Yeah. I need to just feel them. And that's what I've been working on. Okay. I'm going to have my, moment of crying in my whatever and I'm gonna let myself feel it as you know yucky as it is and Mm -hmm. then I'm just gonna let it go yeah and happiness too and Mm -hmm. the good emotions sometimes I don't let myself feel those things for sure because you can't you can't selectively numb you can't go I don't want to feel the bad stuff but I'm gonna feel the good it doesn't work that way right so yeah, I think like this is where the real healing potential with the birth chart comes mm-hmm. in, right? It's it's cool, of course, to know like mm-hmm. what our chart says about us, but really leaning into like how can I? I definitely do not take the approach that your birth chart is like the be all end all. Right. I think free will is way more potent than anything mm-hmm. else on the planet ever at all. Yeah. Um, and so you get to look at your birth chart and go where. Do I have some work to do? Yeah. And how can I kind of transcend or, or work through some of these things? Yes. Which is a really cool way to approach it. And there's so much healing that could come from mm-hmm. it. While also understanding that you're always going to have that tendency yeah. and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be gifts and strengths that come from that as well. So I have one more question about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that I'm very micromanagey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> where is that there because I that is something I really really need to work on and want to work on but it's so hard to intuitively stop like telling people what I think is the best thing to do <laughs> like micromanage at work or everywhere everywhere <laughs> I think that's the cancer stuff yeah because People think about cancer as like, oh, so soft mm-hmm. and so nurturing. But cancer is like the provider. Yeah. Like when you look at a mom, she's badass. Yeah. Like cancer energy is very tough. There's a lot of toughness that comes from that. Yeah. And also an ability to manage a thousand different things mm-hmm. all at once. So I think that that's a combination of the cancer energy and the like ability to just get shit done. Yeah, 100%. And, and know. Like you have a lot of cardinal energy in your chart. And cardinal energy is like, I know what needs to be done. So we're just going to do it. Yes. Oh my God. And it's like, you're doing it wrong. Yes. <laughs> like... And so that, <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. That might be. Let me just look. Has that always been a thing for you? Um, or is that recent? I've become aware of it recently. And right. I know I know a huge part of it is the fact that I'm the oldest as well. Like yep. I, I'm very Oh yeah. You know, like I know a lot of that is there, but I'm just curious if that's kind of in my chart too, because Yeah, I mean like so when we start looking at the deeper layers of the chart, I always like to look at the moon and then um I'm looking at any connections to Virgo because Virgo's mm-hmm. very micromanagey. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually have Virgo intercepted though. So 
It's not necessarily just that, and it's intercepted in the sixth house. I think like that could also be explained by um you have a really complicated mercury um it's squaring your mars and then also squaring pluto which creates like so mercury is the planet of the mind and it's our ability to process information so whenever we're looking at like how do people think about things how do people process information like if you're thinking about the planning phase before you do the thing that involves your mercury and oh, yeah. yeah so when you have like a, a complicated mercury it can create these like I don't know just these like pathways basically mm-hmm. and so your mercury is very like Pluto will tell us where we need to control and you have this like desire to control things that are connected to mercury the planning oh, yeah, yeah, the organization yeah. the detail the whatever yeah. and so um, the way to transmute that for you is through, cause your Mercury is in a very playful sign. It's, I mean, Leo is also a sign of rulership. So there's that yeah. too. Leo like likes to lead, knows yeah. what's best to do it my way, whatever. That's, but yeah. the, the high road of Leo is like heart centered leadership and the ability to be playful. Mm. So if you can bring that into work and those That's areas, really yeah. you might be able to transmute some of that, yeah. um, I think it's really on leaning mm-hmm. on like your trust in your yeah. your team and instilling in them like the things that they need to get the job done yeah. and taking a step back. That actually makes perfect sense because it is it's all in my mind the goal is to be efficient, to <laughs> yeah. just get shit done. Like this yeah. is the easiest way. Why are you taking the long road? Oh, that's you Aries. Yeah. There's your Aries. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. why would you do it that way? Yeah. We could have had this done yesterday. Exactly. But so, okay, that makes sense. I think a really important thing for Aries people to understand is that other people might do it a different way and get a different better outcome. Yeah. And you know that's so funny. So now I'm really interested to hear like I'd love to do a session with with Shane too because he and I hate to admit this but he's like always right. Yeah. <laughs> and he picks a way and it's never the way I do it. Yeah. And he always gets like better results. Yes. You know, like he, he calls things and then it ends up being true. And it, it <laughs> used to really frustrate me. Now I just find it hilarious. Cause it's yeah. like, I now trust, I just trust his process and let, I'm trying to really just let him do his thing. Yeah. Because it works out. Well, and that's the thing. So understanding that, that everyone has different strengths. So the airy strength is the ability to, to look at like we're at point A, we want to get to point B, this is yeah. the quickest route and we're going to do it right now. Yeah. But there's obviously weaknesses to that. There's not a lot of uh, forethought in it. There's not a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can get to point B and realize you didn't want to go to point B, you wanted to go to point C. Yeah. So people that have other energies that are, are more prominent in their chart they're going to be able to see the things that you can't see. Yes. So understanding that if you're trying to micromanage people, you're like diluting the gifts that they have to offer yes. to the team. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not allowing them to, to give you what they're yeah. there to give you. Yeah. Yes. You don't want a bunch of Aries people working under yeah. you. That's going to yeah. be a fucking disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. Can't so, love this. Yeah. For sure. Allowing people yeah. to, to show up with their own gifts. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you. That was 
You're Fantastic. welcome. Oh, I love it. This thank you so for coming good. and hanging out with me this morning Thanks. and for the delicious coffee. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course. It was a great talk. Yeah, it was really good. All right, that is the end of our bonus episode. I hope you loved it as much as we loved recording it. Um, I also hope you love Kristen's laugh as much as I do because I just think it's the most adorable thing ever. And I just love the wealth of information that she has and her willingness to be vulnerable and to share and to talk about these things that not a lot of people are willing to talk about. We need more people having these conversations and we need more people having the courage to uh, initiate these conversations. The idea to talk about sex today was actually her idea. And I was so stoked as soon as she was like, yeah, I want to have like the conversation. I want us to talk about sex. I want to talk about Tantra. I want to talk about taboo. And I was like, yeah, 100% down. Um, And I love her for that. I love her willingness to just share. And she got really personal on this episode. Uh, shared some things that I think other people might not have. So I just love it. I love it so much. And I'm sure I will have her back on because she just knows so much and is so entrenched in this work. And I, I really feel that this is an important conversation to be having. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're all doing so well. Uh, let me know what you thought. Give me your feedback. We will, we will be back for season two soon. And I'll keep you updated. Bye. Bye, bye.